the, the whole objective of this is to get a kind of behind-the-scenes insight into all of us, helping salespeople or maybe the exec team or maybe the lead consultants, all of us, including me, find out more about one another so that we can make connections and help one another out. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Khan Raja. This is episode two of Getting to Know Our Consultants. Ryan Haywood is a senior developer at Redify. So for me, doing something quickly is not is not really just about generating a rapid feedback dialogue. It's also about using as much as of my um, mental stamina as I possibly can as fast as possible before it before it naturally burns out. He's 25, based in Brisbane, and passionate about building awesome products using .NET, iOS, and web technologies. Today, I gave Ryan a call to talk about his first year at Redify, some background on his training, his first line of code back in 2005, and what he enjoys most about working in tech. So you're a senior dev. How did you get into Redify? Or what are the plans? How did it come onto your radar? Over the course of my dev career, I've attended a few user groups, conferences type things, obviously, and Redify's great presence at most of those things in Brisbane, um, and I'm sure elsewhere in Australia as well. What I noticed is that every Redify person that I um, made contact with or who was a spectacle of mine um, was amazing. So I wanted to be like that. So I joined Redify, learning all the things, discovering how I can actually um, improve. So the, the reason I joined Redify was to challenge myself, just to get better. What was your background and did you do things at uni? Where did you come from? I really wasn't going to do software development when I was in high school. I really wanted to be a um, concept artist for video games. Grade 10, I got my first exposure to the world of programming, and I sucked at it. And so I wasn't going to do it. And then in grade 11, I had picked up chemistry and all these sort of other super amazing fun subjects, and I found that I really, really didn't like chemistry. So I didn't want to do chemistry anymore. I dropped out of chemistry into IPT and found that I was actually kind of good at it. Went to uni, did a Bachelor of Games and Interactive Entertainment at QUT, majoring in software tech, did lots and lots of programming there, as well as um, getting a little bit of a glimpse into the life of various disciplines in the games industry, including concept art, which was familiar to me, but I I found that I really enjoyed the programming side of things a lot more. Yeah, there's there's also the minor detail that concept artists don't necessarily make as much money as um, software development, it's not necessarily as lucrative. Mm. So it was, it was that was a bit of a, a, a bit of a decision point for me. Um, but mm. it's probably important to to remember that um, software development is an enabler of many different um, kinds of uh, entertainment and, and various mediums. So you don't have to ditch your creative ways in order to be a software developer. In fact, you can utilize them to to deliver even more profound experiences. I still try to do a bit of game development with um with my wife, and we've we've worked on a couple of iOS apps, and we're trying to ship another one. What kind of games are you making? Um, what are they called? How can I get them? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we've we've only released up on on the iOS platform so far. Mm. At uni, I worked on a a game for our final year project, which was released on the Unreal Engine three using mm. UDK, and she actually did um, the music for that. Obviously, that never saw any commercial success. It was just a uni project. 
what we did sort of release, but actually commercially available, um, two iOS apps under my name. One of them is a game, the other one is not really. The game is called Scrappy Stories. It's pretty much just a word game. She did the art for it and the music, and I did all the, you know, the fun stuff, the programming, libraries and various game frameworks to work. Got to learn a brand new platform, which was um, the iOS experience using Xcode and um, learning Objective-C. Lots of fun. On on Scrappy Stories or or yep, other things yep. that you've, you've worked on, can you think of, let's say, a lesson that you learned from... Oh, yeah, I've learned many lessons working on Scrappy Stories. One of them is obviously that Apple don't necessarily make the dev experience super fun, and that's something to be wary of if you're going to delve into iOS development. But a more profound lesson is, I guess, um, working with people that you know and are quite close with. Obviously, I was working just just me and my wife. Um, it has challenges that you don't expect. And obviously, we ended up succeeding in the end. Did a great job, music and art. She learned a lot of new skills. When you're, when you're creating a product and when you both have a vision for that product, but the visions don't necessarily... Um, there are occasions where you have some clashes. It, it's pretty interesting to learn... <laughs> Uh, about how you how you resolve conflict, um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a, a lesson that we we both learned about working with each other. And the cool thing is that we are still working together. There are plenty of other technical things and soft skills that you pick up along the way, but that for me was a big one. For the most part, we we do a very agile, iterative approach to solving people's problems, and it and it comes out comes out pretty well. It's different working on our own thing because obviously we weren't trying to solve someone else's problem; we were trying to solve our own problem, and so. Those concerns, um, with scrappy stories at least, weren't around. But then, um, the second problem we worked on was sort of, sort of for us, but we also tried to see if other people would actually use it. And, um, we didn't engage any people outside of ourselves. And it turns out nobody wants You've actually got to engage people, um, and get feedback uh, at a fairly rapid rate. You can be developing for a long time. This one only took us a month. You can be developing for a long time and end up with something that nobody really cares about. I don't know if you're starting other projects now or if or if you're in the middle of other sort of smallish projects, but um, yep. if you were to, let's say, kick up scrappy stories or, you know, to how would you set it up? Would you set up the project in a way that allowed you to get feedback earlier and faster? Um, it is something that we actually considered with the project we're currently working on. About. So my thoughts on the matter are do the minimum the minimum amount of work to get something usable in people's hands and just see if it's fun. Because we are working on a game and the main the main point of a game is that it's fun. If the idea doesn't work, I don't want to have spent months and months and months working on underlying architecture and all this cool, fancy, nice, elegant code and stuff like that. If no one actually likes it. My goal really is to get <clears throat> a fairly rapidly built, maybe a bit rough prototype in front of people and just see if they like it. That could be the crushing statement after, I don't know, maybe a month of prototyping in my spare time is that, ah, oh, now this idea that you've got, this sucks. We don't want it. I don't even want it if it's polished. I don't want it if, it, if it's got all these cool customizations. I don't want it if it, um, I don't know, if it supports 28 players or whatever. So why build all the infrastructure? Why build up all this architecture for it? The way in which you're looking at maybe shifting left or, or failing faster is one of the conversations that you're having quite often and have you got an agreement on the actual plan when, of when you say have, when you say agreement you mean an agreement between myself and Sarah about when we're going to call it quits or, or sorry what do you mean 
Yeah, definitely. I think that that's pretty much it. I mean, that word calling quits, um, calling it quits is is a big one. It's heartbreaking. Um, yep. It's it's kind of impossible to quit something you care about, right? But yep. But then I guess the thing is, I try to derive my care from from other people's care. If, if it turns out no one cares about it, I'll probably stop caring. Um, one one example of shifting left, I guess, is um, so you mentioned the blog post, and I guess the point of that is to see how much interest there is in an idea. Um, the game that we're making is actually um, is actually a game that was played by. Um, it's like a hand clappy sort of um, group game that my my in-laws played when they were much younger in Israel. Um, and so there's, all, there's already, because it's, it's, it's very much heavily, heavily based on that um, existing game, I know for a fact that at least playing it in real life, physically with other people, is fun. So I know that the idea conceptually is good, and that's a starting point. But now, really the question is, how does it fare in the digital world? Is it actually something good? You've got some data there. Like it sounds like the data. The data is there's a whole goddamn country over there that loves playing it, and now we're not, not sure. Playing. Not sure about the whole country. <laughs> Maybe just a very, very small neighborhood of kids. Right. I don't well, know. Okay. Maybe, it is, yeah. maybe it is a countrywide sensation. You know. <laughs> That's building confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other aspect to it that I find quite interesting is to iterate. So. So actually get something delivered within, let's say, two weeks. That that thing is really, really important to me as well. Um, And it's not so much, it's not even just restricted to the idea that you want to get feedback on it. I suffer from a a, a sort of a self-imposed problem, I guess, where I get frustratingly bored of something if it takes too long to do or or if I haven't finished it in in a certain amount of time. And maybe I lose interest. Um, in my personal projects if I don't complete them in a timely enough manner. So for me, doing something quickly is not, is not really just about generating a rapid feedback dialogue. It's also about using as much as of my um, mental stamina as I possibly can as fast as possible before it, before it naturally burns out that I've, that I've generated something that is exciting enough to rekindle or replenish that mental stamina as I'm going through the project. If it's been like, I don't know, I'll just throw out an arbitrary number. If it's been like two months and I literally haven't got anything that people have used yet, I'm probably just going to go, this is taking too long. I really don't want to do this. Maybe I'll come up with a new idea and see how fast I can get that one out. Which for Scrappy Stories, for example, that one took me about six or between six and eight months and I rewrote it at some point. And that was really hard because I really just wanted to call it quick and um, Sarah sort of convinced me not to do that, which was sort of miraculous. Um... And the next chapter we worked on, yeah, tried to get it out within a month. And I actually had something usable within the first week. And that helped a lot. So, yeah, not just about not just about feedback cycle. It's also about, for me at least, maintaining my own personal interest in what I'm working on. Rewriting a solution. I find that that is always such a big struggle, internal struggle for me every time I look at something yeah. and I say, there's a part of me that loves rewriting stuff after I've learned all the lessons, and there's another part of me that sort of says, if I rewrite this, am I going to add any value whatsoever? So how did yeah. you did you think that through a bit, or how did that work? Yes, yeah, so I did definitely try to rationalize it in exactly the same way that you did, or probably went through the same um, 
intellectual turmoil, I pretty much, it got to the point where I was trying to add features and I couldn't. Or I couldn't do it within a timely enough manner that I, I could preserve my interest in and, and motivation to continue. So it had to be done. I was new to iOS, I was new to Objective-C and Xcode, and um, I had I had screwed almost everything I could possibly conceive up um, in my first attempt at being a, a, an iOS Objective-C developer. But I didn't know it at the time until I had gotten sufficiently far enough to be able to say, Ryan, you've, you've learnt a lot now. Um, it's time to say goodbye to this code base. And I literally deleted everything and I started again. The main The main reason is, I, I just couldn't add stuff. I couldn't. I couldn't add extra features without it really being um, a pain in the bum bum. So, what what was really at the core of the rewrite? Was it a restructuring of the let's say the classes and the objects within the within the, within, or was it around um, maybe something to do with delivery and release management, or was it around the, the presentation and the the UX? Uh, it actually. It's actually a lot more low level than that. Um, one of the main problems is I had memory leaks everywhere, and, I, and it was only at the point where I discovered that memory leaks could really be a problem where I started profiling my app, and I went, oh, okay, leak there, and a leak there. All I've done is press one, bu- one button at the moment, so there's just leaks everywhere. Um, I started looking into how I might fix some of those memory leaks, got a few out of the way, and more, and more, and more, and more, and more, and I realized that there was something fundamental about how I was doing um, allocation and, and, and holding on to um, references and whatnot because Objective-C is a bit more um, involved than C-sharp. Yeah, there were, there were a few pretty low-level mistakes that I was making. In addition to that, yeah, there was a fair bit of class restructuring that I could have done um, and I did do and pretty much just simplifying the whole model. I think I, I overthought things. I tried to... Uh, I wasn't yagging enough, so to speak, um, and I was trying to cater for things that weren't really there and ironically enough, trying to cater for things that weren't there meant that I couldn't implement things that needed to be there with enough simplicity later on. And it is it is a kind of rewarding um, feeling when you've been sort of wading through this code base, sort of ashamedly, you say, I'm done with this, I've learned all these lessons, it's time to move on, it's time to delete. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm reasonably happy with the end product after the rewrite. But how, how, how long did the rewrite take? Uh, it was a month. So after six months, of, of wading through learning Objective-C and struggling with that, getting to a point where I was reasonably comfortable. It was, it was a month to rewrite it, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how many hours a day it would have been. But, um, yeah, so significantly less time, and so um, it was totes worth it, totes. The two other things I want to talk about, working in Brisbane, in tech, the community there. But Brisbane's got an awesome dev community. Um, Redify has got a very strong presence in the Brisbane dev community, and... People really respect the people from Redify that present, um, who lead who lead the meetups and conferences and um, arrange these sort of social events. It really does build this appreciation for the caliber of developer in Brisbane. I, I wouldn't consider myself to be among the top, um, but I certainly appreciate being around them. Plenty of opportunities to learn. What I absolutely cannot stand about Brisbane is the freaking weather. It's just terrible. It's humid. It's wet. If I could take the awesome developer community of, and merge it with the, the climate of Tasmania or Antarctica, then I think it'd be great. Um, we have DDD, um, which that's for developer, developer, developer. Um, it's a nice little conference. Um, I think we maybe had a few hundred people in the 2015. 
event, um, attend, which is pretty cool. And what it is is it's an opportunity for um, developers from Brisbane or wherever, really, to get up and present some cool material of their choosing. Andrew Harcourt usually does a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, time is um, He did a presentation on ACA.net, and I thought it was just superb. It was an excellently structured um, presentation, working demo, really nice code, um, really nice coding demo that wasn't unbearable, which is a rare thing. Came away with some more solidified knowledge about it, and I just thought he did a great job. Brisbane's got great developers, lots of people willing to learn, lots of people who are happy to admit they don't know everything, and mm. that's it's the right attitude, I think. Like, how long have you been writing code for? Writing code? Um, code that I'm happy with, or? <laughs> Not just anything, any old crap. <laughs> uh, let's see, what you would have been when I was in grade 10. So my first line of code would have been around 2006, 2005. Um, what was it? That was probably oh, Visual Basic. <laughs> and, but what and, were you trying to write? What were you doing? Okay, okay, okay. Um, I was trying to get a cat animation to work just by swapping in GIF. I couldn't figure out something, and this was the first thing I wrote, and, and that's when I sort of got frustrated at it. You know, I just want to swap out some things. just want to make things a little bit different. I can't do it. This is too hard. It's stupid. This programming thing will never take off. Um, what a waste of time. I'm going to go be a content artist. Yeah. When you opened, when you started, when you started the program, it would open up a, a form, a Windows form, and on it would be an image, and a, a timer would be running, and at the intervals on the timer, the image would be swapped out with the next image in an animation sequence. Mine was in 2000 and, or maybe 1999, yep. and it was about building an ASCII snake game, a star moving around oh, yeah. a, a full-screen command prompt. If you hit the left key or the right key, the star would go up or down, and if it, if it hit another star, it would become like a snake and grow longer. And then if you, I, when I got into it, I was like, I was thinking, wow, this is crazy. I can do anything I want. Like, I am a yep. creator. It's a pretty cool feeling to be able to control um, and command things to, to make to make experiences, even if it's not like a game experience, if it's just a user experience. That's the most rewarding thing about programming for me is creating experiences. Do you tend to think about the the experience that it creates, and is that some sort of pathway to... Yeah, th- there are a couple of things that I... There are a couple of ways that I derive enjoyment, I guess, out of um, being a developer. One of them is that sometimes it's just nice to be served up a big juicy problem and have no idea how you're going to solve it and then you start looking into it and you have to use your brain a little bit. So the, the, the mental challenge is pretty cool but otherwise the real reward comes from having shipped something, actually getting it out the door, actually getting into users' hands and having those users respond happily, just making lives better. That's that's what mm. I really, really like about software development is that it's a, it's a solution. Yeah, I think I can relate to that. Do you know Tatum? You know? I do. He mentioned that one of the cool things about working at Redify is that quite often you can show your friends or talk to your colleagues or look at a product that's out there in the market and sort of say, I kind of made that or me and the guys yes. I work with kind of made that. Um, yeah. Actually, it's funny you should say that. Um, so we did, um, I worked on a project, a very small team, just myself and um, one other developer. We had a very short time frame working on sort of a labeling system for, <laughs> it sounds so trivial and unexciting. Um, and, it, and it wasn't the most exciting project to work on. Like, I still had fun, but we were, we were working on a system to allow a company to print um, price labels for their products. 
and customize the appearance of those price labels using, um, you know, a nice client, client side, um, template editor for price tickets and print them out by generating a PDF. All done client side. It's all stuff exciting. The most rewarding thing, I guess, for me was very recently, I walked a couple of minutes down the, down the road to my sort of local, um, shopping center. I went, uh, I walked past a franchisee of this company and I saw the ticket. I saw the price label on the shelves and I went, hey, I built that or I helped build that. Um, and it was this oddly satisfying feeling of something that I, something that I sat in front of a computer for four weeks typing out and culminated with something that is actually in use and it actually looked kind of cool. It was, um, yeah, they, they used the editor to <laughs> print tickets, to print price tickets. And I got strangely excited about seeing it in, in real life. Yeah, I mean, Taser, I, I completely, I love, I love that. Because Taser mentioned a very similar story about doing something in a warehouse, a delivery company. We, we tend to work in an abstract space where we're creating concepts and, and building mm. yeah, like classes and stuff. You sort of step away from the pro- project and then a couple of weeks later you're walking down the street and you see real world physical implications. Yeah, there's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of my hard work is situated with this thing that other people are experiencing. Cool. Love it. Totally. All right, man. Let, yeah, let me let you go. Sweet. All right, cool. thanks, All right. Bye. So there you have it. This has been episode two of Getting to Know Our Consultants with Ryan Haywood. I'm Khan Raja. Thanks for listening.